0: An NBA-focused episode today as Victor Oladipo was back in action on Monday night, helping the Heat to a Game 1 win over the Sixers. We'll talk about his performance, look back at OG ananobi who wrapped up his uh, playoffs in Round 1 against those same Sixers, and then uh, an update on Trace Jackson-Davis in a new kind of big board, see where he falls into the NBA draft rankings, all that on today's episode. You are Locked On Hoosiers, your daily podcast on the Indiana Hoosiers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. What is up, guys? It is Tuesday, May 2nd. This is Locked On Hoosiers, your daily one stop shop for everything IU athletics, whether it's news or analysis. We have your recaps and your previews during the season. We cover the pro Hoosiers, as we'll do today as well, uh, as we dive into anything we can as we head into the off season. I'm your host, as always, Jacob Rude. I want to thank you guys for making Locked on Hoosiers part of your day today. More specifically, your first listen every single day. Just a reminder, we're free and available on all platforms, including YouTube where we premiere the episodes there daily at uh, 7 a.m. You guys can join in on the conversation over there. We want to have a mailbag episode this week, if possible, so please leave some comments uh, with questions you guys have. We'll try to get to those later in the week, if possible, if we get enough of those questions. And as always, you guys can subscribe to Locked on Hoosiers wherever you listen to your favorite podcast ad also follow us on twitter at lo underscore hoosiers you can tweet questions you guys might have over there as well victor oladipo was back in action on monday as the heat opened up the second round series against the philadelphia 76ers uh with a pretty commanding 106 92 win it was a game that uh The longer it went, the more control the Heat had. Yeah, the Heat, yes, had. Uh, It was a close game at halftime. Uh, Philly actually led at halftime, but uh, Miami went on a huge run in the second half, outscored them 56-41 to in the second half, uh, and that was even with some garbage time scoring that made that deficit look a little closer than it was. Individually, Oladipo didn't play great, but he played, uh, which is different than how the first series went. Game one of last series, he wasn't even playing. Game one of this series, he plays 27 minutes. Uh, Only a small handful of guys played more than him uh, on the night. The Heat were still without Kyle Lowry. Doesn't sound like his return is imminent. And now they have kind of fully turned to Oladipo as part of that rotation. Interestingly, uh, for fans of the heat of the NBA, Duncan Robinson uh, just did not play. Seemed like a coach's decision. He's one of the best three-point shooters in the league. Um, It's hard to argue with the decision when Miami won ultimately as comfortably as they did. But uh, it seemed like Oladipo was a benefactor of Duncan Robinson not playing either as he got some of those minutes. Uh, But individually, Oladipo goes just 2 of 8 from the field, 0 of 5 from 3, and some of those misses were pretty pretty ugly, if we're being honest. 1 of 2 at the line, only 5 points, but grabbed 5 rebounds, couple of assists, a block as well. He finished minus 1 with his plus-minus. Both Bam Adebayo was a plus-26, Max Struess was a plus-27, those were the the heavy lifters for the heat in the plus minus. Uh, Oladipo played a lot in the second half, his 27 minutes. Uh, I mean, 14 of them came in the second half, but it felt like it was 14 straight minutes from kind of midway through the third through uh, midway late stages of the fourth quarter. He just stayed on the floor. Uh, It was interesting. He was plus six in the second half. He was on the court as... Uh, Miami started to pull away and take a big lead. So it's, again, one of those instances. It was like this in game, I believe, three, either game three or game four against Atlanta. I guess it'd be game four where he came in. He played, didn't do a lot statistically, but there was an impact felt, and he was on the court when the team started making a run. It seems to be uh, the case again on Monday I'm not sure if there's a whole lot to that other than it being kind of a coincidence potentially right now but uh it's a it's a coincidence I'm more than happy to see continue because it's just really nice to see him back on the floor. Uh he fits into that heat, heat culture so well. Um and great to see him back in action in big playoff games. The series overall, as long as Philadelphia doesn't have Joel Embiid which is going to be through at least game 2 as well, this is Miami has way too much for the Sixers and it's going to be really tough for Philly to uh, match up with them for 48 minutes, especially if James Harden is going to go one of four for four points in the game. Uh, That was in the second half, I should say. Uh, But as the game got away, he was nowhere to be seen. He was five of 13 overall for 16 points. So, So long as there's no Embiid, they can focus everything on Harden, and that is going to be a long series for Philadelphia. They will be back in action on Wednesday. Tip-off is going to be at 7.30 p.m. Eastern. You guys can watch that game. I believe it is on TNT. Prior to the Sixers making the second round, they eliminated OG Ananobi and the Raptors. We'll look at uh, how he performed in the series in the closeout game, and Kind of a brief look back at his season as a whole as he continues to make steps for or take steps forward. We'll touch on all that in just a second. OG Ananobi is quite the fun player to look back on um, and just see him continue to grow each season. Uh before we jump into his development, which is fascinating. I just want to thank you guys for making locked on Hoosiers your first listen every single day. Uh, Be sure to subscribe to us wherever you listen to us at. OG this season took another step forward and in these playoffs was a, uh, a factor as he kind of has continued to be in recent years. Uh, Obviously starts every game finished with 17.3 points and four rebounds per game. Shot 47% from the field, just 34% from the three-point line in the six games in the series, but he played 36 minutes. So he's someone this team can heavily rely upon. In reality, his shooting wasn't, or his overall play wasn't much different than the regular season. 17.1 points, 5.5 rebounds in the regular season, 44% from the field uh 36% from the three point line so shot it a little more poorly but only marginally other than that he was largely the same player he was during the regular season you can look at that however you want you if you want to look at it the good way uh that means that he can perform at the same level regardless of the uh how important the game is if you want to look at that the negative way he didn't necessarily step up Once the playoffs came, but I I think as long as he continues to play at that level, Toronto will take that in the series itself or in the closeout game itself. I should say he did struggle, though. That was a game that got away from Toronto real quickly. Philly got up really big. And honestly, Toronto pretty much just gave up, which is not great. Uh, Philly ended up winning the game by 35 points. O.G. had five points, two of seven shooting, one of four from three, only one rebound and one steal. So, I mean, if you take that game out of the equation, the rest of the series, O.G. had 19 points, 4.6 rebounds uh, and shot almost 50 percent from the field. Um, So a really impressive series up to that game six where really everybody on Toronto just felt absolutely flat. with very, very few exceptions at all. Uh, Pascal Siakam, Gary Trent, and Scotty Barnes with Chris Boucher, those were your double-figure scores, but none of them, uh, or most of them, I should say, not particularly efficient in that loss. So while it was a sour note to end the season on, OG continues to, to develop into bigger and bigger role with more and more production. Just looking at his stats, uh, for his career he's improved his points per game every season uh, while still steadily being largely the same three-point shooter on increased volume each season as well each year he shot more and more three-pointers per game uh, this season topping out at six and or 6.6 threes per game 317 total shot 36 percent from the field and that's the worst percentage he's shot Barring his sophomore season, every other year has been uh, 37, 39, 40%. So, in that respect, took a little bit of a step back, but um, also averaged more assists this season, was able to do a little bit more with more usage, a higher usage rate, which means the ball was in his hands more. Uh, so, it was, it's encouraging to see him continue to develop. He's someone that always comes back. Better in some aspect of the game you love to see it and it, it's really something to compare the player he is now for those of you that don't watch the NBA I'd encourage you to go back and watch highlights from one of his games this series uh, and, and just compare it to where he was um, his, his freshman year or the handful of games he played his sophomore year he's he's such a more dynamic player. And that's what they drafted him for. That's what teams were going to draft him for was the upside and what he could become. And he has become that. And so super exciting to watch him continue to excel and get better and better. He's going to be back with the Raptors next season, barring a trade, which I can't imagine they're going to trade him. Uh, He'll be back next season. And then he has a player option after that. And he is going to get paid whether it's by Toronto or another team, he is exactly what every NBA team wants in a three and D wing. And he's one of the best ones in the league. He is going to make buckets of money. So excited to see, uh, what comes for him this off season heading into next season. Next season could potentially include trace Jackson Davis, who obviously is still in the, uh, I want to say the portal. It's not a portal. I guess still in limbo when it comes to the draft. He's going to have pretty much the rest of this month to make his decision. But one of the latest draft big boards to come out was Sam Vassini of The Athletic. I know I reference Draft Express a lot. The other person uh, that I really respect their analysis is Sam Vassini, who puts a lot of work into uh, his um, his watching tape, his scouting of prospects. He will watch every one of these guys and give some type of um, breakdown on them of some sort. And that includes Trace Jackson Davis, who is on his latest big board. We'll look at where he fell, what that could mean for his decision and what Vasini said about his um, his kind of profile and how he would fit into the nba before we do that though bet online is your number one source for all your betting stats and sports info find all the latest sports developments league reviews and news including this year's basketball playoffs and the start of the major league baseball season bet online is your continued source for all your sporting wagering information from live betting to playoffs esports and more i told you guys in yesterday's episode to take the heat minus seven and a half. I, I just didn't think that Philly would have enough without Embiid, and they doubled up that line. So we'll see what it is uh for tomorrow. Um, but I would expect that line's gonna go up and it would have to be a pretty big line for me not to take Miami because I just think this series is gonna get worse and worse for Philly the longer Embiid isn't out there. So If you guys want to join the action, head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. Bet online where the game starts. So Trace Jackson Davis continues to have a very interesting um, kind of status when it comes to the draft. He is somebody that is going to be right there on the fringe of being a second round draft pick. And that seems to be more and more the general consensus. We mentioned that Draft Express hasn't had them in any of their uh, latest mock drafts, which go out to the top, I would say top sixty two teams had to forfeit picks this year. So top 58. And I mean, when it comes to Trace, that could potentially hurt him. But when it comes to a lot of guys at the end of the second round of the draft, they would prefer not to be drafted so that they can... Choose where they go, and maybe one team is offering a better deal than another team. uh, And that would most likely be where Trace would find himself. So Sam Vecini of The Athletic, uh, I mentioned before the break, somebody I really respect his opinion when it comes to draft prospect analysis. Uh, He released his latest big board, and to that point, Trace Jackson Davis comes in at number 67. Again, only 58 picks in the draft this year. So he would be on the outside looking in. And here's what he had to say about Trace uh, when it kind of came to his scouting report on him. Quote, he doesn't shoot it at all from distance. He's not a creator off the bounce and doesn't make incredible dynamite passing reads. And sure, he's a bit undersized at 6'9", but I do think uh, TG Day has some defensive tools that stand out and make him worthy of consideration the late in the second round. Particularly, I think his intersection of strength and vertical explosiveness make him a bit more translatable as a prospective rim protector than meets the eye. He has real pop off two feet and has the core strength to really hold his ground. His timing is also terrific. Uh, the team that ends up with him, if he decides to go through the NBA this year, uh, will need to work on his perimeter offensive skills. But as a potential bench big, Jackson Davis has a few interesting qualities in terms of finishing ability and shot blocking that make him more intriguing than the undersized center moniker might typically bring, which is a very fair, all of that, very fair when it comes to Trace Jackson Davis, I think. There have been moments where he's shown maybe he can step out and hit a jumper, that Illinois game in the Big Ten tournament. Maybe he can make passing reads from time to time. Uh, or things of that nature, but it's not something he consistently does. And that's what teams are going to tell him in this pre-draft process. They're going to be honest with him. They're going to tell him he has to have some type of shooting ability. That's going to be something they work with day one when he is drafted, when he steps into a gym. uh, If he's drafted or if he's signed as an undrafted free agent, they're going to make him improve his range and trace is very aware of that as well. I'm sure Mike Woodson has told him that um all or told him that all season long. So that's nothing new, but I think one of the biggest things that is different about trace potentially this season versus last season is the defensive side of the ball where last year he was a negative. There was nothing you could see there to uh potentially make him helpful on the defensive end. If we're being blunt, uh, he was a little bit too small to hold up against bigger bodies and that he hadn't shown that explosiveness and timing to be able to block shots. Uh, whether that was a product of Mike Woodson, whether it was a product of getting in the gym, probably a, a matter of both of those things. He was able to finally do that this season and That makes him, in my opinion, more draftable because he's someone that could potentially help you on both ends of the floor. I know that we watched him all season long with the uh, with his post game. If it were 1997 or even potentially 2007, that might matter more, and he would probably be drafted. But the post up is gone out of the NBA. Aside from the very best of the best, your Joel Embiid's, your Nikola Jokic's, those guys will get post-ups, and that's partly because uh, more often than not, they're really good passers, and they're really efficient at it, and that is the only reason why. Otherwise, nobody really posts up, so it'll be interesting to see how teams view him offensively. We saw an ability to play the pick and roll and finish at the rim. Uh, that certainly is going to be intriguing to teams as well. If he comes back, I would imagine we're going to see a lot more of that next season, just so he can show something else. I would love to see more of an outside shot, but he doesn't seem too interested in it. That's going to be something he has to do if he wants to be drafted as well. We're going to talk a lot more about Trace Jackson Davis and uh, what he excels at, his pros and cons in the NBA draft. Later this week, I have a special guest coming on to talk to you guys about that and get a sense of how kind of the people that follow the NBA draft view him and whether they think that he's going to be drafted as well. That'll do it for today's show, though, guys. Thanks again for making Locked on Hoosiers your first listen every day. We'll be back tomorrow. Again, we're going to start shifting to off-season content. Uh, The off-season is upon us. That means a lot more big-picture things, a lot more previews. Uh, So we'll be doing more of that as we head into the off-season. We're going to continue to follow Victor uh, as the Heat go through the playoffs. And uh, we'll start to do some NBA recaps a bit as well, see how the guys in the NBA did this season. Now. Go make your second listen to the Locked On Big Ten podcast. I'm on there weekly on Thursday's episodes. Be sure you guys are subscribed over there before this Thursday so you can hear what uh, I jump on there to talk about. I represent the Hoosiers as much as I can. Uh, Appreciate all the love and support you guys continue to give us. It's been an amazing journey, and I, I thank you guys every day for it. Uh, Follow us on Twitter if you haven't already, at LO underscore Hoosiers. Tweet your questions to us. Subscribe to the podcast. Leave a rating and review wherever you are listening to us at. But most importantly, guys, have a terrific Tuesday in LEO.